God is calling me back to the Philippine Islands. I'll be starting a ministerial training center and uh, nothing like it in any place that I know of. God gave it to me. And uh, I'm preparing to go back in the middle of December. We've got a building there that I've got to sign uh, for lease. Well, it's large enough to have our auditorium, which we're going to start a big church at the same time. And enough for my Bible college training. It's not, a, not really a Bible college. It's ministers, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We're going to deal with the five-fold ministry. And uh, it'll be a wonderful training course and mentoring time for ministers. God gave it to me. I'm, I uh, turned 85 years old three weeks ago, and I have joined the Caleb Club. Caleb was 85 years old when he told Joshua, Moses, the servant of the Lord, promised me this mountain 40 and five years ago. And he said, I am as strong this day as I was 40 and five years ago. Now, I'm not going to tackle any physical mountain. Uh, if it's physical, I want a big hill, not a mountain. But I'll be tackling a lot of things that we have not encountered before. But I go in the name of Jesus, knowing that he will be with me. Amen. Praise God. So I, uh, I'm going prepared to never come back. I have uh, the kind of insurance they'll ship my body back. I'd rather they just go ahead and bury me. But uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to finish the course that I have traveled. <clears throat> Fifty-five years ago, came to Houston under the direction of the Lord. And every time I stood in that pulpit, Brother Hughes can tell you, I told the folks, it's wonderful to be in a church that's in the will of God and to have a pastor you know is in the will of God. And because of that, they were willing to stand behind me and work with me. God gave us a great, great revival from that revival, from that day till this, there hasn't been one week gone by that we didn't baptize someone or someone receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
And that was 52 years ago. And I thank God that we've been, that we've had the, the privilege to be involved. And out of that church, 123 ministers have gone. And uh, five missionaries on the mission field. It's hard to realize that one church could do all of that. But it all goes back knowing you're in the will of God and knowing your pastor is in the will of God and you can trust him. I think we need to give our good pastor a good hand. I will read from the book of Acts, chapter 13, one of my favorite chapters and characters in the Bible. And I guess I'm here tonight to challenge this church more than to try to bless you. I will hope and pray that you would accept the challenge that I feel that the Lord has laid upon my heart. Verse 22, one verse. When he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Thank you, Father, for what we've been able to enjoy thus far. We've felt your wonderful and divine presence, and we thank you for it. We're not worthy. We're not deserving of anything. You're the one that is worthy, and we want to give honor and glory to Jesus. Bless this good pastor and anoint our preaching in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. A man after God's own heart. And the many things that David did that attracted the attention of God. It was said of Noah, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's Enoch. It said Enoch walked with God and was not. I just wonder how everybody felt that knew Enoch when they discovered he's not here anymore. They couldn't find him. What did he do as he walked with God? What did he say? What kind of life did he live? He was close enough to God. Even in the book of Jude, verse 14, it said Enoch the son of Adam prophesied saying, the seventh person prophesied saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. But there was a special work that only Enoch could do evidently. And it was said of Job that he was perfect and upright And Moses was a man of faith and uh, he conducted revivals out in the wilderness. 
But he said something about David. And uh, I'd like to be like that. David was called a friend of God. I know that God is my friend. But I want to know if I'm his friend. And it has to go deeper than just saying it. It's got to be deep enough that we're willing to do anything and go as far as we need to go for the Lord to be able to say, I love Mark Hughes. He's my friend because he is doing everything I commanded him to do. And so I stand here tonight as I challenge you, I challenge myself because <clears throat> I'm not finished. I'm not finished. God still has a work and I'm going to die trying and I know that God spoke to my heart. But I'm going in that name that is above every name. We make no mistake when we go in the name of Jesus. We make no mistake when we trust Him. We make no mistake when we love Him. When he, we put Him first in our lives, we make no mistake. Just repeat that over and over. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is Lord of all. And He said... If I be lifted up, I will draw. One of the greatest experiences of my life, I was in Israel many, many years ago, and uh, they'd never had any kind of a meeting with Arabs that lived in Israel at that time in the Jerusalem area. And they had a little place outside of Bethlehem a few miles, and the missionary, actually it was an Arab that had been filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, he invited me to come and speak, and it was tremendous experience. I sat on the platform. I saw Arabs out there, some Muslim. I saw ladies with their heads covered, and I said to the Lord, what? could I preach that would help this congregation? And he spoke directly as soon as I said it. He said, why don't you lift me up and let me do the drawing? And I said, thank you, Lord. And I happened to learn, young preachers here, what Jesus was in every book of the Bible. And uh, so I mentioned to them, now, I know that you folks don't believe in Jesus. And uh, you go by your own book. But I just want to tell, <clears throat> tell you, Jesus is in the Old Testament as much as he's in the New Testament. I said, I'm going to connect it for you tonight because you're full of skepticism. I want to tell you that Jesus was in the book of Genesis as the seed of the woman. In Exodus, and you know where that is, 
He's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet likened to Moses. And Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host. And Judges, he's the righteous judge and lawgiver. And I went through the Old Testament telling them these are pictures of Jesus Christ and we don't just strengthen our doctrine on what's said in the New Testament, the entire Bible. And I said, now I'm going to go in the New Testament to show you the same God is the same in the New Testament. In Matthew, the Messiah, Mark, the wonder worker, Luke, the son of man, John, the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. And I said, right on through every book. And when you get to the end of the, of the page, the last page, he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's something I can get excited about. Talking about Jesus. Loving Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, bless His name. Bless His wonderful name. Hallelujah. When I got through, actually before I got through preaching, here come Muslims and Arabs and women with their heads covered to the altar. And there was a stream of tears. The missionary said he had never in all of his years ever saw an Arab shed a tear. But you see, they can't get away from the influence of Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Praise God. God fills some of them with the Holy Ghost. I never saw people who were so strict and straight, broken so much. And that was the greatest experience I think I've ever had. And God has given me the opportunity to have a lot of experiences. And it's all in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was I was set, sitting outside about five, six weeks ago at a place drinking some coffee and a man that slept under the bridge came up and he had a bloody towel around his hand and he showed me where the end of his hand, a finger was cut completely off and I said, well, let me pray for you. And I started to pray and he pushed my hand back said, no. I don't believe in that. I believe in Buddhism. And uh, so I said, well, let me take you to a clinic. And he said, no, just take me to where my friends are. And uh, that was around the Beltway and exit, the Liberty exit. And so I said, well, you tell me when we turned off, you tell me the street that you want. He said, well, I'll show it to you. We kept going and going and going. He said, actually, I want you to take me to Liberty. And uh, before I got through, I had gone 125 miles, but I would do it again, driving along. He tried to do his thing with Buddhism, and I 
tried to pray again. I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in your God. So nothing would work except I just started singing. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he kept trying to get louder. He wanted to outdo me, but he couldn't get louder. When he got loud, I got loud. Jesus is all the world to me. Jesus, the blessed hope. I just kept singing, and he kept getting quieter. Finally, he didn't say a word. The name of Jesus prevailed, and it will prevail over all of the power of the enemy. I'm saying tonight, let's trust him more. Let's depend on him. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We can only do so much. After that, we have to see, stand back and say, Now, Lord, and watch him work. And I challenge this church here tonight. You put forth your best effort. Love the name of Jesus. And let it be a part of your life. And preach about Jesus. Sing about Jesus. Live about Jesus. Let people see the love of God in your heart. Praise God. And I challenge this church to fall so much in love with Jesus that you are determined to do something for him. I I traded my pulpit in for uh, a chair at Starbucks. I started going in there months, several months, but I would just be available and I was real friendly and nice and uh, they started asking me questions about uh, seven, eight weeks ago and uh, I never had, I would always show them across the parking lot, that's big church, is a church that I uh, started. And so finally on Father's Day, one of the main young ladies said, I'm going to go see what your church is all about. I said, wonderful. She brought a friend. And uh, when the altar service was given, here they come. And I walked up and put my arms around their shoulders, and they were sobbing, weeping. I didn't do anything but showed them that I loved them. Amen. And so the next week they came again, and there was five all together. And the next week, seven of them were baptized in Jesus' name. And now 11 have been baptized in Jesus' name. Workers there and their friends. And one girl brought her mother last week, said the first time she'd ever been inside of any church in all of her life and wept and cried. And uh, so I've got a pulpit there now. When I walk in, they holler, Papa K. Amen. And I, uh, I, I have to quieten them down at times, but they'll come around the counter. 
Thank you for letting us go to your church. Thank you for what we feel. I'm challenging this church to just love Jesus and love the lost. You don't have to beg them. You don't have to preach to them. Let them see and feel that you really love them. And they can tell if it's a real, genuine love. New Life Church, you can have the greatest revival that this part of the city has ever known if you will fall in love with Jesus. That's why David, that's why Jesus loved David so much. He was a protector of the innocent. When the sheep out there, bear and a lion, tried to come, he rose up with the anointing of the Lord and killed them. He was protecting all of those little innocent sheep. And when it came time to face a giant, he was not afraid because he had a, uh, he had a, a lamb, or, I mean, he had a lion and a bear in his background you know, if you win a great battle, you can be ready for another battle. At 85 years old, I've fought a lot of battles. And I'm still in a battle. Even tonight, I'm in a battle. But I'm not going to give out, give up, give in, give out. I'm going to keep holding on. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire and I'm going to go again. God will help me. If God will help me, I know He will if I put Him first. We will have a great revival. And I'll need Brother Mark Hughes to come over and do a little lecturing and preach a crusade. You can stop and preach one in Hawaii on your way. This man will fix it for you. And so I'm telling you, church here tonight, love the innocent. Regardless of what color or what culture, what race, love them. Amen. And pray till God gives you the love that you need. And I... Uh, was so happy to be able to be involved, just a, an old, gray-haired, worn-out preacher. And, uh, in my own neighborhood, God has helped me to win four families to the Lord in my own neighborhood. One family, the man knew I was a preacher and I was friendly and loving uh, all the time. He stopped one day, I was in the yard, and he said, I know you're a minister. He said, I need a lot of help, and he started crying. Big, strong man. And I prayed a little prayer, and I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm mean to my family. I hurt them. I mistreat them. And then when I get through, I hate myself, and I know something's got to happen. I said, well... Let's go to your house. It was right down the street, several houses. 
I went right into his home, Brother Hughes, and I got those three boys and his wife, and I said, now we're going to hold hands, and we're going to ask the Lord to make a new daddy for you and a wife, a new husband. And they, those boys started weeping. He had never seen them cry like that before. He tried to stop them, but they kept weeping. And out of that, I was able to get her to go to church first. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And then God, several weeks later, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. They're in church today going on with God. You don't know what you can do to the door next to you or across the street. Just keep on loving Jesus. If we fall in love with him, I challenge you not just to feel his presence, but let it go deeper than that. You eat it, you sleep it, you love it, you walk it, you talk it, you believe it. You proclaim it. I promise you something will happen. Amen. It can't be just an occasional thing. It's got to be with us 24 hours a day. Praise God. Do you really love him tonight? Praise God. I tell you the first step you can take to fall in love with him. Read Isaiah 53. Read the last two verses of Isaiah 52. Said he was, his visage was marred more than any man. And he said, I was astoned, which means astonished when he saw Jesus like he really was, he said, I was thrown into a state of panic. And then he begins that 53rd chapter, who has believed our report to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed it go up as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when you see him, there's no beauty you desire of him. He was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sorrows. He was afflicted and he was beaten and he was bruised. You need to read that. I read it every two or three days because I want to stay connected with the one who suffered, bled, and died for me. Go to Gethsemane. That's the place of the oil press. And he went there and uh, his heart was broken. He bled in Gethsemane. Why did he do it? He did it for me. Everybody say, he did it for me. I would be so happy to know, Brother Hughes, that this church would walk out of here tonight and say, I haven't done anything for the Lord, but I am. I haven't done enough for Jesus, but I will. And you will start a revival
And you need to start believing God for your own family. Eternity is a word that I don't like. Hell is a place that I don't, I don't like that word. But it's there in the Bible. And to think, the thought that one of your loved ones would go there. What are you willing to do? I want to give a little testimony about my dear wife. She really loved the Lord. She worked harder to raise up that church than any individual, much harder than I did. I did the preaching, but she did it in the pew, loving people and praying for people and never afraid to get herself right in the middle of of things that were going on around the altar. There were times she said, Honey, I wish I could play the organ and sing. I said, I didn't marry you for that. You're a soul winner. Praise God. If you want your life to be more effective, win a soul. If you want a greater anointing, start winning somebody to the Lord. Praise God. Go to Gethsemane and see the price that he paid for us. The blood is flowing, and I'm part of it. I'm part of it. He washed me with his blood. He cleansed me from my sins. When I took his name upon me, I want to tell you that was an experience that you'll never forget. I baptize people I say my brother or my sister upon the confession of your faith and obedience to the word of our Lord and master I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of sins and you shall receive the Holy Ghost I've baptized them in the hospital where we had to have four men holding each corner. Fill the bathtub. The doctor paste would uh, uh, take all kinds of tape to paste over where he had been operated on. But he said, I may die before I get out of here. One of the men in our church witnessed to him. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost right there in the hospital. And he said, I can't leave without being baptized. And the doctor fixed it where uh, four men could hold the corners. And they let the sheep down in the water. And I I said the same thing. And I baptize you in Jesus' name. He came up from there rejoicing and said, I'm now ready to die. I haven't been, but now I'm ready. Praise God. There's a hungry world out there. We've had prison ministry for 35 years or longer. And uh, they preached Jesus' name. They convinced a lot of inmates. And then they wanted to get baptized in Jesus' name. And they talked to the chaplain and said, we'd like permission to get baptized here. And they had uh, a pool of water. And they said, no, no one is going to ever be baptized in Jesus' name as long as I'm chaplain 
in this prison, Brother Smith came to me and said, Pastor, would you go talk to that Catholic priest? I said, I will. I sat down inside of that prison with him, and I tried to explain to him the reason they wanted to get baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, he said, sorry, sir, it's never happened. It's not going to happen. And I told him, I said, well, sir, God will bless you if you permit it. But if you don't, God will make a way. And so a few days later, they were, there was a few of those inmates out by one of the buildings digging a hole and kept digging. And the guards said, what are you men doing? They said, we're digging a hole to fill with water. The priest won't let us get baptized inside, so we're going to get baptized outside. Praise God. And he said, not only will I let you, but I will guard you because I have been baptized in Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. God moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. I'm so glad that we can trust Him. So I'm challenging this church to take another big step. You've got to desire it. I pray the Lord would plant a seed of desire in your heart. And then you've got to make up your mind. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Then you've got to break up your own personal will. It's not my will, but it's what his will will be. And then you've got to wake up your faith and say, if he did it for others, he can do it to me. I'm nobody. I am a nobody. But he is a somebody and I can trust him. And then break up your will and take up your cross and say, I'm going to make it somehow. I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to bring revival to my church, to my neighborhood, to my neighbors. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. A few days ago, one neighbor right next door to me was a little hostile and wanted nothing to do with me or uh, my grandson that lives with me. They had heard that we were a bunch of fanatics and I just kept being good to her and nice to her and speaking to her. And then a few days ago, she knocked on my door and she said, uh, Pastor Kilgore, and started crying. She said, I lost my unborn baby, would you go with us to the graveyard and say a few words and have prayer? I said, I will be glad to do it. Even God can take a hostile person and make it circumstances beyond their control so that you can do to them what no one else could do. I challenge you, new life. Are you willing to take that extra step? I'm going to have to come back and finish this. 
I started to tell you about my wife. She loved her daddy as much as any girl could. And all of our married life, she said, oh, my dad has got to be saved. I can't let him go to hell. She'd ask me, do you think dad will ever be saved? I said, God only knows. In my heart, he made such light of church and spiritual things. I thought, no, he'll never be saved. But she kept praying. I would hear her in the middle of the night. And I would get up and she would be laying on the floor, weeping and weeping and asking God to save her daddy. And uh, then the next night, she would be right back there in the middle of the night. And this went on for about 10 days every night. She was in there in the middle of the night while I was sleeping. And then about 4 o'clock one morning when she got through, she sat down and wrote her father a letter. Dear Daddy, I know that you love me as much as any father could ever love its child. And if I was in a burning house you would risk your life to go in and pull me out. Daddy, I'm trying to pull you out of the flames of hell. Please go to church. Give your heart to God. And uh, so when the letter came, her mother put it at his plate. When he came in for lunch, he read the letter. And when he got through reading it, he pushed his chair back didn't take a bite of food, went back to work. The following Sunday, about 10 o'clock at night, the phone rang. The pastor said, is Imogene there? And so when Ima answered the phone, he said, Honey, your letter and your warning touched my heart like I've never been touched in all my life. And I'm standing in the water. I just got received the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Stand with me. I want to tell you, folks, you have a mother or a daddy or a brother or a sister. Why don't you make an extra effort? Call them on the phone and say, I just feel like I need to warn you and tell you that I love you or I wouldn't be calling. Write them a letter. They can't get away from that. Do everything you can before it's everlasting, eternally, too late. Those two words are terrible words, too late. Too late. So... How many of you ladies here tonight, you have a daddy that's not saved? I'd just like to see your hand. Thank you. Did you know before this year is over, they can be saved, but it's got to start with you. And I wonder who the first lady would be to come here and stand and say, I will not let my father go to hell. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you folks, you may be ashamed. 
That would be the most terrible thing that you could have is being ashamed to come and stand here and weep for your, for your daddy. How many of you have a mother that's lost? You're willing to come stand here. How many of you have a brother that's lost? You'll come and stand here. How many of you have a sister that's lost? How many of you young people have parents that are lost? I tell you tonight, I want, I want, I really want us to touch God. I really want us to pray, not just a little prayer. Let's open our hearts as wide as we can. That's good. Thank you for coming. Move up a little closer, if you will. Jesus is moving in this place right now. Praise.